We are, uh, we are excited about this tool that uh, we just put into your hands. So please, please, please connect and, uh, and start using that. We're going through our series called Jesus, Friend of, Sir- Friend of Sinners, and we're going through the book of Luke, going verse by verse. And, and through the book, we said that we're going to see how Jesus loves the poor and the outcast and the orphan and the widow and, and the lonely and those who are different. We're, we're going to notice that Jesus has this really special care for all of these people. So if you, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 3, and we're going to be going through verse 1 onwards. Luke chapter 3, verse 1. And again, if you don't have a Bible, I'd love to get you one. Uh, so come find me right after the service. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible with you, you can just look up on the screen. Here's a little bit of background about what's going on here. We left off a couple weeks ago uh, in the story of Luke where Mary and Joseph, they, they lost Jesus. You guys remember that? Uh, Jesus was home alone and he was in the temple, which is where Mary and Joseph finally find Jesus. And he's in the temple and he's talking to all of these teachers in the temple courts. And everyone is amazed at the questions that Jesus is asking the teachers. And from that point onwards, it's going to be interesting because the teachers are now going to be questioning Jesus through the rest of the book. But they're not asking him questions. They're questioning him. They're saying, like, who do you think you are? Like, that's the kind of questions that are going to come his way. And so at the end of that section, we read that Jesus tells his parents, he says, I was in my father's house, and I just wanted to be in my father's house. Like, we looked at how intimate a relationship Jesus had with his father, and the challenge was, how intimate is our relationship with Jesus? Not that we want to be in this place all the time, but just that we're communing, communing with our heavenly father. Like, do we have that desire in our hearts? Do we have that desire in our lives? And then Jesus tells his parents too, he says, listen, I'm, I'm here because I'm all about my father's business. And the challenge for us too was, are you about your father's business? Like God has called you to very specific things in your life. Are you about the business of your heavenly father? And at the end of that section where Jesus is about 12 years old, There's no more mention of him for another 18 years when now he's going to show up in the Jordan region. And this is where we pick up the story. Chapter 3, verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Euturia, and Trachonitis and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. This is so exciting, isn't it? <laughs> During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, and we're just going to stop there for a quick second. Why bother with all of these names? I often wonder that when I read parts of Scripture. Uh, Most of these people, though, they're going to end up, they're going to make an appearance later on 
in the book of Luke, Pontius Pilate and Herod and Annas and Caiaphas, they, they all play a really important role in what's about to unfold in the life of Jesus. But you also got to remember, at the beginning of this series, we were saying that Luke was on a mission. And he says, listen, I know that some of you don't believe the events even happened in the life of Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a book with historical accuracy. And so now if you look at these names outside of Scripture, you're going to find that Luke is accurate. He's dating the time where these people are in power both in politics and they're in power in the temple. And so if you do research, again, outside of Scripture, and you look up these names, some of these people are going to mention a man named Jesus. Some of these people are going to mention that there was an innocent man who hung on a cross. And so while people want to convince you, especially those of you who are in college, your professors are going to try to tell you things like, we don't even know if Jesus walked on the earth. We don't even know if there really was a Jesus. You can say, well, that's not true because look at the dating of what Luke tells us. And now let's look outside of Scripture of what those people say. They all account for this man named Jesus. And so Luke puts Jesus in context of history, and he puts Jesus in context of biblical promise as well, because Jesus fits perfectly in the context of what was prophesied about him in years past. And so here's a list of these powerful political leaders, right? Caesar and Herod and Pilate. And then there's these powerful religious leaders, Annas and Caiaphas, who ruled in Palestine. And now these guys are about to be upstaged by a prophet who's speaking in the desert. And this is where we'll continue. Verse 2. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went out into the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. We'll just stop there for a second. You know, during the time of John, when a king would travel to another place, when he would travel to another village or another town they would send out a messenger, and that messenger would go to every town that was on the way to the king's final destination. They would send him out months in advance, and the messenger would go and tell the people, listen, the king is planning to come through this city, clean up your town. Fix the roads, fill in the potholes, make the roads level before the king gets here, The town needs to be ready. The town needs to be ready for the arrival of the king. And here is John, and John is saying, it's time to get your life ready 
to receive King Jesus. You need to do whatever it takes to prepare your heart for King Jesus. And the way you do that is by repenting. And so John is looking for this turning of the heart. See, the concept of repentance has these Old Testament roots in this idea of you radically changing your life and radically coming to Jesus. When I was in high school, I used to play a lot of basketball. And uh, I was in this basketball tournament with my cousin and my brother and my youth pastor, some other guys from church. And uh, at halftime in one of our games, you usually switch sides. And my cousin forgot that we had switched sides. And so the other team inbounded the ball. He steals the ball. And he is going the wrong way. All right? And so everybody who's there is yelling at him, and they're saying, you're going the wrong way. And all he heard was, go, go, go. And so I started running after him, and I blocked his layup. See, what he thought were cheers were actually warnings to him. He had all of the right intentions problem was that he was going the wrong way. And John's message is this. He says, you are going the wrong way. You need to do a 180 in your life. And if you don't, you're going to meet with disaster. I don't want to ask you this question this morning. Like, do you have people in your life who are willing to tell you, hey, listen, you're going the wrong way? Do you have friends who yell out warning signs to you to say, if you continue down this path, you are headed for disaster? Like, do you have those people in your life? If, if you have those people in your life, you've got to keep them close. Those are your real friends. And if you don't have those people in your life, you need to pray that God would bring those people to your life. Verse 7, John says to the crowd who's coming out to be baptized by him, he says, you brood of vipers. That's a great opening message line (laughs) right there, right? Like, it wasn't, hey, good morning, welcome to the Jordan. No, he looks at the people and he says, You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't even begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. And the ax is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and will be thrown into the fire. So at this point, there's a lot of people who come to hear John. They, they aren't sure if he's this crazy guy just out in the desert. Whatever it is, they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on and what he's talking about. And the crowds get larger and larger, and the fame of what he's talking about 
gets known throughout the land. But what the people do know is that this guy knows what he's talking about. You remember in, in chapter 1, he is the son of Zechariah, who's a priest in the temple. And so he would have been studying to become a priest himself. And so he knows his scripture. He knows the word. He knows what he's talking about. And when they all gather, John begins his message, you brood of vipers. If you think that everything is okay in your life because your parents know God, you're wrong. You know, he, at this point, he, he doesn't care about what the social protocol is right now. He let everyone know that if you continue down your present course, no matter how well, no matter how skillful you are, no matter how talented you are, there is a collision course with judgment that you are on. And John is saying, listen, if you rest on the faith of your ancestors then you are like snakes. Like you are trying to be really sneaky, doing whatever it is that you want to do and then earn your salvation by your parents. I don't think so. And so this morning, I want to tell you that growing up in a Christian home or having Christian parents and coming to a Christian church and doing Good things mean nothing if you won't come to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness. So what would happen if we don't respond? What if we don't repent? What if we don't have that radical turning towards God? What if this message is too harsh? What if I don't feel good about this message right now? John mentions this axe that's laying at the root of the trees, and he says, listen, if you don't repent, then judgment is coming. Man, judgment is going to be coming for you. I mean, what, do you, what do you mean? I mean, John, nobody wants to talk about judgment. So, verse 10, what should we do, the crowd say. And John answers and he says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. And then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he said, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely, but be content with your pay. Remember we said earlier that one of the themes of Luke is this special affinity towards the poor and towards the outcast and the sick and the destitute. And he says, you will be willing to share what you have with people who have nothing. But like the results of repentance is that 
you will be willing to give to the poor, to do for the poor, the needy, the hungry, the lost. The people say, so what should we do? And Jesus, or John says, treat others fairly, treat others with respect, don't abuse your authority. If you truly turn to God and you begin to accept his forgiveness, then what you need to do is forgive other people. You need to show mercy to other people. You need to honor other people. And John says if you truly repent, if you make that 180, if you come and turn to God, then it will be evident in how you live your life. But it all starts with you coming in repentance. Verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all and he says, I baptize you with water, but one, is, but one who is more powerful than I will come. And the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch, because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things that he had done, Herod added this to them all, and he locked John up in prison. John is making a point here. And he says, nobody escapes the call to repent. John's message is, it's so different, right? It's so radical. And so people begin to wonder, maybe this John is the Savior. Maybe John is the Messiah. And John feels like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not even worthy to untie his straps. But the Messiah is coming. And that person is coming. And this Messiah, when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and he will baptize you with fire, and no one can escape the call to repentance. See, when the Messiah comes, when the Savior comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit's fire, and it will be this incredible, amazing thing that will happen to you. And you will have this boldness and this confidence to be a witness to the decision that you've made to be a Jesus follower. To those who will repent and to those who would follow Jesus as Savior, the Holy Spirit's fire will come and it will purify you and it will refine you and it will strengthen you. And I encourage you today, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you need to seek that for yourself because it will change your life. But then John also mentions this 
this baptism by fire. And what he's saying is nobody escapes the call to repentance. Those who will not repent, all all of those people who, who will not make that 180, all of those people who will not turn to God, they're going to face this awful judgment. And he starts talking about that in verse 17. The Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, he's the one who owns the winnowing fork. You know, the threshing floor was this large area where wheat and the outer shell or the, sh- or the chaff was separated. See, the farmer would, would toss the wheat in the air and the lighter chaff would blow away in the wind. And so the farmer would then, he would gather all the wheat and he would store it safely. But the chaff that was left on the threshing floor, he would take that and because he couldn't use it, he would throw it in the fire. Nobody escapes the call to repentance. Jesus is the one who owns the winnowing fork. And all of us, all of us who are in this room here today, all of us are going to be tossed in the air and we will be assessed for how well we have responded to the Savior. And those who refuse to live for God are like chaff. But those who repent, those who turn to God, those who turn from destruction, they are like wheat, and they will be gathered, and they will be stored in a safe place. Herod, he hears this message that that John is talking about, and he is angry. He thinks the message is too harsh. Because John calls out his sin. He's taken his brother's wife, Herodias. He's done a whole bunch of other evil things. Herod doesn't want to hear that he's wrong. And so Herod thinks that he can stop the message by locking John up in prison and by ignoring the wrong that he's done in his life. I want to ask you this question this morning. How do you respond to the call to repent? How have you responded to the call to turn from your ways? How have you responded to the call to turn to God? There's a lot of people who think this is too harsh. Our culture wants you to think that this message is just way too harsh. There are people who think that, you know what, this doesn't make me feel good right now, so I'm just going to ignore it. There are people who think that, you know what, I don't need to repent. I don't need to turn to God because my mom did. I don't have to turn to God because my dad did. I don't have to turn to God because my brother or my sister or my husband or my wife, they did that. I mean, all these people in my life, I mean, they're close to God, so I don't need to do that. But if you do have these family, if you do have friends who are close to Jesus and you haven't repented, then you are on your way to disaster. 
The call to turn to God is for you. Every single person in this room, the call to turn to him is for you. John says, no one escapes the call to repentance, not the poor, not the hated tax collectors, not the religious leaders, not the guilty, not these powerful political leaders, or any person who would ever try to stop that message. You cannot escape the call to repentance. I'm going to ask Tim if you would come as we begin to close the service. There's a number of challenges here for us this morning. John is out in the wilderness and he is preparing the way of the Lord and he's saying, look, the Messiah is coming. He's saying, look, the Savior is coming. Get your heart ready for him. Get your heart ready by repenting. Get your heart ready by turning from your sin. Get your heart ready by turning to God. And if you turn to him, and if you will receive the forgiveness of sins, you will receive life change and the peace that so many of you are looking for. And for those of you who have turned to God, I want you to know that you have a call that is similar to John's. We need to prepare the way of the Lord. We need to let others know the Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming back. Jesus is coming back. You and I, we have a job to do to prepare the way for Jesus. How much urgency do you feel in that? I mean, for those of you who are close to Jesus, like, how much urgency do you have in your heart to let other people know the Savior is coming back. How important is that for you to prepare the way of the Lord? If you don't tell your friends or your family or your neighbors, who will? John, he preaches a, a pretty harsh message, calling people this brood of vipers. But man, it's the truth. And I want to tell you this morning, sin is real, and sin has its consequences. When John talks about repentance, I mean, what, what is he talking about? Turn to God, but turn away from what? I mean, I'm this good person. I do some good things. I help people when I can. I throw a few bucks towards some charities. And, you know, the Bible teaches that we have this sin problem. God has these standards that are set in his word. And when we fall short of those standards and when we mess up in our lives, that's sin. And, and the problem is, is that God absolutely hates sin because sin creates this distance between us and God. And he hates the distance because he just wants to be close to us. And the Bible also teaches us that there is this great penalty when we mess up against God and that penalty is death. 
But God loved you. And God loved me that he decided once and for all that he was going to make a way for us to be close to him again. And that way came at a really high price. Because God would send his only son, Jesus. And Jesus would take your sin. And he would take your wrongdoings. And he would take up all those times that you have messed up and God would nail your sin on that cross and he would wash away all of your sins with his blood. And he would do all of this so that you can be set free from your sins, so that you can be forgiven of your sins and so that you can know him personally. John calls for true repentance. He calls from this turning away from sin. He calls for this turning towards God. And I want you to know that if you want to experience true freedom, then turn from your sin. Confess it to Jesus and come to him today. With your eyes closed this morning and your heads bowed, This morning, Tim is going to lead us in a song, and this is your moment to do some business with Jesus. For some of you, this is your time to repent, to confess your sins to the Lord, to, to turn to Him, and to make a decision to live for Him always. To those of you who have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask that as Tim begins to to sing and lead us in some more worship, that, that you would take this time to pray and seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. To those of you who consider yourself a Jesus follower, this is your opportunity to spend some time and ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to help you be that messenger. Ask the Lord to help you prepare the way. Ask him to give you boldness and confidence to prepare the way of the Lord. Some of you have been looking for peace in your life and meaning and fulfillment and purpose and you have been looking in all the wrong places. I'm going to tell you today, this is your day to come to Jesus come to him this morning, I encourage you to repent of your sins and turn to Jesus. He will take your sins upon yourself, upon himself. He will take up every wrongdoing upon himself. He will wash you, he will cleanse you, and he will give you a reason for living. So with your eyes closed, with your heads bowed, Maybe you've never known this peace that's offered from Jesus. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart and into your life. And if that's something that you want to do this morning, if you want to know this Jesus who is ready to give you his peace, if you want to know this Jesus who he is the only one who can forgive you of your sins and your wrongdoings, then I'm just going to ask that you say this prayer in your heart today. Jesus... I give you my life. I know that I am a sinner. Jesus, would you forgive me? 
I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you paid for my sins. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe you rose from the dead. This morning, I turn away from my sin. I leave my past behind. I turn to you, Jesus, as my Savior, as my friend, and as my Lord. 